0: Well, a few years ago now, I was at my grandmother's house and I discovered my grandmother's letter drawer. It was in her roll top desk uh, that's in her guest room. And I stayed there. I've stayed there so many times throughout my life. And I hadn't, I never really noticed the desk, never really wanted to plunge through it, even though I had sat there and worked at that desk multiple times throughout my life. For some reason, I never really noticed it until this trip. I was helping my cousin Monica put her kids down for a nap, and I was sitting there waiting for them to go to sleep and Then the desk just caught my eye, and I just wanted to plunder it all of a sudden and so I did, and i found I found out a lot lot of things about my grandparents, most of it I will not share with you. It's none of your business, but one of the things that I found as I rifled through it were her letters, and she had saved all these letters. Most of the letters were to and from her siblings who lived two to three hours away from her in North Carolina, and she was one of seven children. And there were things in those letters that just broke my heart about my family's history, but it also showed me a lot about my family and where I come from I've always considered my grandfather to be one of my saints. My grandfather was one of the founding members of his Baptist church in Norfolk, Virginia. He dedicated his life to God's work and read his Bible faithfully every day. And one of those letters changed the way I saw him. In one of those letters, my grandmother writes how... She writes to her sister about one of the biggest arguments they had in their entire marriage. In the 60s, what had always been an all-white Baptist church was brought face-to-face with integration. And one council meeting, the church voted on whether or not to allow black people to become members of the church. And my grandfather voted no. That evening, my grandparents had the worst fight of their marriage as my grandmother spoke courageously against what she considered horrible judgment on my grandfather's part. And because of this fight, she writes that they slept separate, um, slept separately, they slept in separate bedrooms for almost a year. And like that... My saint, that courageous man of faith, wasn't as saintly as I had thought. That afternoon, just plundering through those letters, I learned more about myself and where I came from than perhaps any other day in adulthood. And those letters sparked conversations between my mom and I and my grandmother and I and my aunts and I that opened up a world I didn't even know existed. Now, whenever you and I open up the Bible, we are plundering our family's letter drawer. You know that, right? Scripture did not just descend from on high. It didn't just come down to us, a complete compilation of writings that we can take home, and now these are God's 10 steps to figure out how to live your life in health and happiness and success. No, this is our family's letter drawer, And every time we crack it open, we get to read the history of our family. Some of those letters are boring as I don't know what budgets and plans. And some of those letters are heartbreaking. And they tell the truth about some of our family we'd rather forget. Some of it's funny, some of it's inspiring. Particularly the New Testament, it is uniquely littered with letters. Two-thirds of the New Testament is just somebody else's mail that you and I are reading, written by this guy, the Apostle Paul. And St. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and had no idea he was writing Scripture when he wrote it. He was writing letters to churches and friends and pastors. And those letters just kept getting passed around from church to to church, person to person. And every time someone who was following Christ picked up those letters, Paul was writing to them. It wasn't their mail, but it was like that day he was writing to them. And so before long, the church did this peculiar thing. We took those letters and we called them scripture. And we said that no matter what, God seems to meet us in these letters, which tells us a whole lot about who we are and where we come from. And Paul's letters to a particular people in Corinth have captured my heart recently as it has to do with the Kingstown communion. First and second Corinthians are Paul's writings to a new church that he himself started anywhere between one to three years before he wrote the letters. In this November, we will be digging into these letters together as we seek to renew and recalibrate and reframe ourselves within God's mission for this church. In July, our leadership team went on retreat and prayed together and listened to God together and assessed who we are as a church, and we returned With this renewed understanding of who we were, we are people who are gathered into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, collaborating for the common good. And throughout November, we are going to be unpacking what this is all about, beginning with courageous conversation as we are in this new stage of kingstown this new exciting stage i want us to center ourselves on these letters first and second corinthians two letters that weren't written to us it's someone else's mail and yet they're written right to us you know each week we will be rooting ourselves in Corinthians. Every day of the week we will be praying through 1st and 2nd Corinthians with our GPS prayer guide until we know who God has called us to be. Here's the context. Here's why this letter in particular is so captivating. First of all, these letters were written somewhere between 53 and 56 AD. Paul was writing to this church that was situated in Corinth, which was a city where cultures came crashing together, nobody was from Corinth. Anybody here from the D.C. metro area? Nobody was from Corinth. (laughs) Corinth was this place where commerce and culture came crashing together, where the average salary was higher than the rest of the world around them, where people were mostly educated, were mostly cultured. Right on the edge of this metropolis called Corinth was this little church that had launched about two to three years before. After the church was up and running, Paul went to plant another church somewhere else, and Paul writes them this letter. It seems like the church was in a stage of excitement and growth and transformation, and they were starting to ask questions of, where are we going? What is this all about? what are we about? What do we do next? And so this letter written from Pastor Paul to this church in Corinth, it's a letter I want us to encounter. And it begins with Pastor Paul reminding the Corinthian church of their call. It's interesting to me. Pastorally, it seems like there'd be other places to begin, In conversation about what's the church about, it seems that beginning with a strategy would be most helpful. Okay, here's the marketing strategy. Here's the growth strategy. Here's how we get the word out. Here's how you're going to find people. Here's how you're going to share your faith. Here's how you're going to have courageous conversations. And Paul doesn't begin there. Paul begins with call. His first words... Paul, an apostle called by Jesus. Paul's apostleship begins not in himself, but in this call that came from outside of himself. Jesus called Paul to this work, and then that call radiates through throughout the Corinthian church. I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, of your call to be saints, Paul says. Who the church is to be is wrapped up in who called the church into being. In other words, the church is never somebody's idea. The church is never our attempt to become better people on our own behalf. The church is never our newest strategy to begin a new club. The church hinges on the one who called us into being. Paul reminds the Corinthian church right at the beginning that you are not here because of yourself, but you're here because of someone calling you. Paul's word for us this morning is, you want to be people of courageous faith? You want to be people of courageous conversation? Remember your call. Now, the church has this notion, and we, we learned it from our Jewish ancestors, that the God we encounter in a place like church is peculiarly vocative, vocative vocation. This, this God calls things into being, and God speaks, and creation happens. The question is, called to What? This God speaks and something happens, but what is happening? So Paul reminds them at the very beginning of the letter, you're called to be saints. And I want to unpack that for a second, what it means to be saints. God has from the very beginning had a dream of having a group of people who are set aside to be about the work of healing the world of its brokenness, God first spoke creation into existence. God called creation into being. And not long after, about three chapters later, the world begins to fracture Cain and Abel.